0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Nicole Ackman's interview with the star of the hit Disney Plus Marvel show, Moon Knight, Oscar Isaac. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. I have a sleeping disorder. I can't tell the difference between
1: my waking life and dreams. Hello, and welcome to <laughs> Staying Awake. Oh,
0: I'm losing
1: it, we'll catch you on. You're bloody useless, Stevie.
0: Stephen, <laughs> I can't tell the difference <laughs> between, between life, life and, and dreams. dreams. <gasps> <gasps> Thank you. Lost the contact lens.
1: Hope you find it. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, you're alive! What's wrong with you, Mark?
0: Why did you call me Mark? It must be very difficult. The voice in your head. Shut up! There's chaos in you. Hi, cool.
1: thanks so much for chatting oh, hey.
0: with me. I have to do.
1: So I wanted to start out by asking, you know, did you grow up reading comic books or being into superheroes?
0: Um, I did grow up uh, reading uh, X-Men and X-Force. Those were my personal favorites and Spawn as well. And I'm like a huge, like, Teenage Ninja Turtle fan and, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. So I was, I was in that, in that culture for sure.
1: So did you know anything about Moon Knight before hearing about this project? I know it's sort of one of the lesser known, I feel like, of the uh, comic book heroes. No, I had never heard of of
0: Moon Knight before.
1: Neither had I. (laughs) But you did a great job of bringing it to the screen. And I was curious, though, you know, you've done a really fantastic job in your career of balancing sort of franchise projects like obviously doing Star Wars and Dune and Moon Knight with doing work like you know, inside and Davis, working with the Coens, and scenes from a marriage. So what is it that you look for in a role?
0: I just look to see if there's space to do something interesting and if there's going to be the possibility of uh, inspiration. Uh, that, that's really the thing, because, uh, you know, I think an actor is only as good as their inspiration. And, and sometimes you can find it from anywhere. You can find, you know, sometimes someone can... You know, you can find someone that you can be like, "Oh, that person in that commercial is being struck with inspiration right now because they're so good and they're so funny." And and so the 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 stage where that happens, you know, one never knows. Obviously, you know, yeah, you know, if you have it, it's it's a collaborative medium, so if, you know, you want to work with people that are inspiring. Um, Denis Villeneuve is inspiring, you know. J.J. J. Abrams is inspiring, you know. Uh, Ryan Johnson; you know, these people are are inspiring directors and. Um, inspiring as human beings. So, uh, you know, that, that's a big part of it. But really it's about, you know, do I see space to create something um, and, and do something that's going to be really compelling for me?
1: What drew you to the roles of playing Mark and Stephen? And were you inspired by any other characters or performances to build those two characters?
0: Um, even that—that um, that, that was my first uh, entryway into the whole thing. You know, I—I I, I read the script and I, I saw that there was maybe opportunity to create a very different character—one uh, from that, that that I've played and also that that you can find in the current uh, uh, lineup of Marvel heroes. And uh, and so I started getting inspired by British comedies like The Office and and um, and. Uh, Paul Pilkington, uh, and so I, I thought, oh, I, you know, me making this kind of like uh, very English, very specifically English character that is is, is not aware that he's being funny, um, and and uh, you know, and then I watched, um, uh, I was watching Love on the Spectrum, you know, about. Uh, autistic people finding love, and, and I just was so moved and touched by their open-heartedness and their, um, in some ways, I this, this innocence uh, that that's not, you know, that there, there's no part of it phony, and so I, I just loved all these ideas, and I, I felt like these were all elements that can, that can um, kind of come together in, in the character of Stephen, and then how that's a counterpoint to Mark, who is... Um, you know, and and at first leaning into in some ways more of the expected cliches of what the tar- dark tortured you know uh, vigilante character is, and slowly through the eyes of Steven, you know that character's vulnerability, Mark's vulnerability, gets broken open by that fifth episode, and and I think suddenly you find yourself really rooting for the two of them, uh, and and in and in some ways I felt like that was the trick. It's like you're telling the story about healing from trauma, but also it's about acceptance, acceptance of pain and acceptance of the trauma and acceptance of what uh, what this child needed to do to survive, which was to, uh, you know, fracture into different personalities that could shoulder that trauma and, uh, and how, as an audience, just because of just by what's happening, you end up rooting for the two of them to exist. Uh, and that's, I think that's, that was just a really beautiful thing.
1: I agree. Was it difficult to sort of have these scenes where you're essentially acting against yourself? What were you doing to sort of try to differentiate Mark and Stephen from each other?
0: Well, two, there's two questions there. So, <laughs> so differentiating them was just creating two completely different characters. Like I said, you know, I, that that was one of the things that I did. He wasn't written as English Stephen, so making him English, uh, making him you know culturally a different person. Uh, the way he stands, the way he dresses, the way he holds his head, where he places where where, where the his voice comes from, uh, all those things were different. And then um, you know finding Mark you know from Chicago, what his you know what his background was, military background, how he carries himself, how he's also you know closed off yet seemingly more confident. Um, and then you know doing those scenes was the biggest technical challenge I've ever ever had to do. Um, you know, I, sometimes I had to, sometimes I'd be acting to nobody with lines being said into my ear. Sometimes it was my brother. Sometimes it'd be a stand in that wasn't an actor, but just, you know, looked maybe their shoulders looked a little closer to mine. And then I'd have to do all that again as the other character. And, uh, and so that was, you know, it was definitely, um, mentally very taxing because at the same time you have to map all that out and then be free to, to, um, be available to impulses.
1: Absolutely. And you mentioned your brother. What was it like getting to work with him and how did that come about? Well, I
0: knew, you know, my brother was a really good actor and uh, I knew that this was going to entail having to act with somebody else and then, uh, and, and that somebody else was going to have to kind of like act as me. <laughs> and it felt like, well, I know this great actor who also shares my DNA and. And so um, I, I brought him up to, to Marvel and to Muhammad, and they were completely open to hiring. And it was it was absolutely wonderful to have him there every day. You know, he, he even learned the accents as well, the Chicago and the English, and so he would do them. And and it was I think it really added so much to those scenes.
1: You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rock Star and Death of a Sport Star, this is Death of a Film Star, starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.
0: Hey Hey there!
1: I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.: And I have to ask, and it's OK if you don't have a preference here, but do you prefer playing Mark or Stephen? I have. I, I, <laughs> I just love being
0: Stephen. I just found him so funny, and so sweet, and it would just make me laugh a lot. So I really love playing Steven.
1: Well, as someone who works in museums, I really love Steven, too. So <laughs> <laughs> was there a scene that was particularly difficult to film, either because of sort of the having to work around both characters or any of the sort of action sequences?
0: Yeah, I mean, there were so many. There were so many that were just really, really challenging. Um see if there's one in particular that jumps out at me. I mean, you know, the, the, it's one I, I just mentioned on this last interview, but I'll, I'll tell you as well. There's, you know, there's a scene in the fifth episode where you see Mark in the past break down in front of his family's uh, apartment. And to map that out was pretty difficult because, you know, it, it's easy to not realize what's happening, but you've got present-day Stephen watching past Mark turn into past Steven, and then present-day Mark watching present-day Steven, watching past Steven slash Mark, and having to shoot all those on the same day, uh, <laughs> and, you know, create all of their points of view so that it was clear, and and, and also, it's also the emotional, the Apex of the whole show. It's like the most cathartic moment as well. So all of that kind of came together to be the most emotionally complex and the most technically complex uh, scene.
1: Absolutely. Now I've seen a lot of people comparing Moon Knight to the film The Mummy, and I was curious if you've heard that comparison and what you make of it.
0: Yeah, I mean that was like one of those great classic, uh, you know, adventure, you know, adventure stories with. Uh, Egyptology at a center, you know, so I, I, I absolutely get that. Yeah, you I know, mean, I had so much fun watching those when I was younger.
1: I was also curious if one of your characters, Mark or Steven or both, could meet up with another character in the Marvel Universe. Who is it that you would want it to be? Either a character that you would love to get to interact with or another, you know, Marvel actor that you would love to work with? Mm.
0: What's type of Waititi's character? Krog? (laughs) Korg? Korg, yeah. Korg. That would be really fun. I would like to see him and Steven having a chat.
1: Oh, that would just be fantastic with those accents going back and forth. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Exactly.
1: And is there somewhere that you would really like to see the character of Moon Knight go in the future in the MCU?
0: No, you know, I can't really think of it. You know, it's really about... For me, it was so much about like the the point of view of being in his point of view, uh, and and how that would manifest itself going forward. It's, it's hard for me to imagine, but I'm sure there's somebody that could crack that story. But no, there's nothing that jumps up to me right at the moment. I mean, obviously, like Midnight Suns was a cool, very cool comic that had you know the supernatural group with Moon Knight and Ghost Rider. Uh, the Punisher, I think. And so, you know, there's something that's fun about that. But, um, but again, I think it would really has to be about is, is there a great story
1: to tell? Absolutely. So I know that the director of the series uh, was Egyptian, Mohamed Diab, And how do you think that him, you know, sort of having a pre-existing familiarity with this culture was influential to the series?
0: Well, you know, there, there's there's like very direct, literal ways that that, that it was really important, you know, the, the authenticity of what Cairo looked like, um, the, the, the the way he wanted that shown on screen in a way that was a, a reaction to, you know, the way that he feels it hasn't ever really been done justice uh, in the West, uh, you know, in, in especially in larger films. So, you know, he wanted to bring the odd, the, the stranger things that you wouldn't think, you know, these Mermach games with the... the you know, the people on horses, on horseback, that, that is, you know, yeah, sure, you know, there's European similarities, but like that's that's also specifically Egyptian. So there's a lot of things that he infused into the script which were just, which weren't there before that really brought, um, a, you know, really authentic flavor to that. But more so than that, for me, it's even more the subliminal ways, um, you know, the, the music, obviously. I mean, just, and that Sarah Diaz, his wife, that just, you know, was so great at, at sourcing and finding really great Egyptian music, um, but bringing in uh, an Egyptian editor, um, you know, like that was that was huge. Bringing in an Egyptian um, composer, uh, the nature of the way that he tells stories, uh, for me, it, it, it you know, it's like the difference between. Uh, uh, Middle Eastern music and Western music, you know, where it's a lot of like the notes in between, so the rhythm just feels different about the way that the story unfolds. Uh, it doesn't feel quite as, um, I guess, formulaic or or as, as clear as like you know A then B then C. You know, it, it has it has a lot more um, motion and. and uh, I don't know, it's just a a different rhythm with the way the story gets told, and I thought that was really exciting.
1: And to wrap up, I was just curious, is there a favorite costume that you got to wear on this project, or a prop that you got to use?
0: Uh, I really, I mean, the moon crescent blade is so amazing, and I I, I got to keep one of those, so I have it here on my mantle. uh, It is a dangerous-looking item, very cool.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me about Moon Knight. This is such a fantastic series, and, you know, it's great to get to talk to you about it.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me speaking. Have a good weekend.
1: Thanks, you too. Bye-bye bye
0: hey everyone thank you so much for listening to nicole ackman's interview with the star for the marvel hit show moon Knight, which is currently streaming on disney plus oscar isaac's performance in moon Knight is up for your consideration for outstanding lead actor in a limited or anthology series or movie you have been listening to the next best series podcast part of the next best picture podcast umbrella and we are proud to be part of the evergreen podcast network If you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, drop us a comment. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time.